eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, gopowercat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to this week's edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, Ryan Gilbert, the whole gang is here to talk about K-State spring football. What should be the end of K-State's basketball season this week up in Kansas City, we've got it all. And, of course, you get asked the questions at Wabash Station. First, a little housekeeping here. If you're not subscribing to GoPowerCat.com, you need to do it right now. And here's why. Because a lot of things are about to start happening that will be of great interest to the fans for K-State sports. And that includes spring football and the great storylines coming out of that. I had a very optimistic walk and talk up on the site on Tuesday. But, of course, the future of Bruce Weber hangs in the balance in Kansas City in all likelihood following K-State's loss in Kansas City, whether it's the first game, second game, or in the championship. I'm sorry, I said that. Uh, it'll be the end of Bruce Weber's time in Manhattan. Ten years of coaching, two Big 12 titles. He did a really good job and then just kind of fizzled out here at the end. We will have so much coverage on the search for a new coach. You want to be a part of it, and we're offering you 50% off on your first year to become part of the Go Power Cat family. Now, if you've subscribed to us before and you haven't lately, maybe give us another try. We do things a lot differently now than we used to. We have uh, really tailored our coverage following the analytics of what people are reading and what they're interacting with. We've really zeroed in on a pretty good slate of coverage that we offer on a normal basis. Make sure you check us out. Head on over to Go Powercat, click that green join button, and get into the family. And we're sponsored by The Fridge. Speaking of family, if your uncle and your daddy owned a still, they wouldn't be as good as The Fridge Wholesale Liquor. I have no idea what that means. That was a weird endorsement. It was... Does anyone still have a still, though? Like, not in Kentucky. I mean, like, around Kansas, you think there's anyone out there just making their own moonshine? Somewhere in western Kansas. I'm sure there's somebody. I would bet. I put my money on southeastern Kansas. I agree Mm. with Fitz. I think Adam K63 might be the person to do that. Oh. I bet Cephas would do it. Cephas. Throwing Cephas under the bus. I am. You have no business talking about Cephas behind his back. 
Here's how it works. You ask the questions at Wild Bass Station. Our VIPs, our customers, our subscribers get to ask the questions, and we answer them for all to hear. This will be a little bit of football, a little bit of basketball, and we're going to let Cole Carmody take it away with our first set of questions. First question of the the podcast comes from CW Powercat. Where does Nigel Pack rank amongst the best shooters in K-State history? Pure shooters. Pure shooters, my bad. Yes, thank you, Ryan. Um, There's a difference. He's getting up there, but... You know, shooting the ball is a lost art. It's it's hard to say where he's at because dudes in the 50s and 60s and 70s could stroke the ball. It may not have been – you know, and honestly, and part of it is yeah, I go back and watch any highlights. The defense isn't the same. You can just rise up and shoot a ball from out there. I mean, he's not Mike Evans' level. He's not Chucky Williams' level, the purple pop guns. Um, uh, he's not Steve Henson's level. Maybe he's very comparable to Jake, kind of developing along the same lines. Maybe ahead of Jake, actually, between freshman and sophomore year. Jake didn't really blossom until his junior, senior year. But he's up there, man. He can shoot the ball, and it's pretty pure. You leave him open. It looks the same. He's a great shooter, man. That shot looks the same virtually every time. And that's how that's how you make a lot of threes. You don't alter it. Ish Masood. My body angle's this way, now my body angle's that way, and now my release point. It, you just can't do that. You got to release it the same, and and he's really good at it. I, so I don't have a list, but I would say of modern day shooters, uh, he's probably second to Steve Henson, and you know, right there with Jake. Barry Brown was pretty darn good, but I think I think Nigel's even better than Barry. The difference being, um, Barry could get to the hoop. Really, he was so strong and so effective going to the hoop that if you closed out on him, he went around you. And if you gave him room and gave him a clean look, which Nigel wasn't getting a lot of, he would make those. So is Daphne demanding a lot of attention right She's now? She's demanding a lot of attention right now. Daphne uh, was a star on a radio hit I did for KSL out of Salina today. She was barking at any and everything. We just rolled through it. She's been high maintenance today. She's been very stressed out. I'm beginning to wonder if she's a Bruce Weber fan. Uh, too soon. Too soon. I, I, I think that um, Jacob Poland and Nigel Pack are the two best shooters, pure shooters. Excuse me, Ryan. I have to correct myself. The two best pure shooters that I can remember in K-State history. Now, granted, um, I, I'm younger than probably a lot of the people listening, so that might not mean much. But uh, I just feel like every time Nigel shoots the ball, it's going in. And, and you hit the nail on the head talking about his, his form. It's just... It's like a baseball swing, and I, and I compare a lot of things to baseball because that's that's what I know a lot about. And I think Nigel's shot is like a left-handed hitter swing because I've never seen that's a left-handed nice. I've never seen a left-handed swing that I didn't like, and I've never seen a jump shot Nigel take that I didn't think was going in. Like you look at Marquise Noel, and he's a good shooter. I mean, percentage-wise from behind the arc, maybe not so much, but. He, he's a decent shooter, um, and you're right. The ball just – it feels like it's in the air too long. His release point's different. Um, but every time Nigel shoots the ball, there's a good chance it's going in. And I and it's just like it's just like a hitter. If you put a good swing on it, more times than not, you're going to hit the ball hard. And, and Nigel Pack's shot is – it's it's really nice. Yeah, you, you bring up Marquise Noel. He releases from down in his chest, and he just kind of throws it high into the sky, and it's not a good shot. It's just not a good shot. It's certainly not from distance. He so rarely hits those. It's just annoying to me that he still takes them. What about Marcus Foster? That's a guy that could score the basketball. He was more of a scorer than a pure shooter. That's what Um, makes Pac special is that you give him a split inch or a fraction of an inch, a split second of time, whatever it may be, he's going to get that shot off, right? And no offense to Pullman or Foster, those guys, it it seemed like they were taking 
more design shots that were getting open on those shots packages. Boom. There's a, there's some daylight and he's shooting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mar- I think Marcus could have, could have grown into that. No doubt, but he, he derailed himself and, you know, I only saw him play the one game at Creighton and K-State shut him down, but I just, I just, I can't imagine how much talent, how much talent he wasted because he was so good as a freshman until everything fell apart. Do you think that if Nigel can create his shot, that he'll be amongst the better, the best scores that K-State has had in a while, right? Because anytime he catches the ball, he's a threat to score, right. but he has to start creating his shot more, I think, to become that elite scorer. Oh, when they over overcompensate and come out and try to close the gap too much, he's got to get around him. And he's gotten better with that floater, and that's going to have to be a really effective weapon. He's going to have to work on you know, the floater with both hands going forward so that if he's free, he can create some space and get – in there and shoot the little floater, which until he's really effective with it, they'll give him that. They don't want him shooting those threes because he he can hit fifty percent on you real quick. He does have a good step back though. I mean, we 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 haven't seen it a ton this season or last season, but you look at his high school film; he's capable of just creating that shot. Yep. Next question from Three G Wildcat: If you're the athletic director, what is your timeline for repairing K State basketball? Yeah, that's a pretty good question. It's kind of a deep one. Um, you know, and I actually think the the reality of of basketball construction jobs has changed with the transfer portal. Um, but I would think, you know, a, a good three year window should in basketball yeah. should get you there, right? Yeah. I, mean, I don't see any reason why. Well, if they can keep elements of this roster together, I'm talking about pack, and you know, I'm still. I'm still a believer Davion Bradford has a game. I saw it last year. It didn't He didn't forget how to play. He's just out of shape. And hopefully they can get him back in shape. But um, now with the portal, you can just go out and get some guys and, and totally change yourself. I mean, K-State had a heck of a problem with a guard from Oklahoma who started at North Texas. I didn't realize that North Texas for three years in a row has lost their best player to the portal, and they still win. So that's pretty impressive. You know, and – the reality is Nigel Pack might leave, and it may not be because of Bruce Weber leaving. It may you know, it just might be he wants to move back closer to Indianapolis and you know, just just go play. But that that can be overcome too with the portal. There's there's players out there. We we at Kansas State tend to think, oh my gosh, where are you going to find these players? Look around this flipping conference, the number of good players that have transferred in and transferred in sometimes from much smaller programs. Mm -hmm. There are good players all over the country. And if you can get them collected and and stop at your place and you're in pretty good shape. Bryson Williams is first team all big 12 unanimous selection. He played the last three years at UTEP. So, yeah, to answer this question. I don't see if you have the right coach, why it can't happen in one year, in two years. I mean, that's what I've, I've told Ryan this. It's like they are one or two players away from being extremely solid. And if you have a good coach, then that extremely solid turns into above average and that above average can turn into good. I just, I don't see, I see how there is a core, assuming you keep Nigel Pack and Fitz, I'm with you that yes, the, from a production standpoint, those points will have to come from somewhere, right? So if you if he leaves, those points will have to come from somewhere. But assuming he stays, assuming he gets better, uh, which I think is a very likely outcome, I think 
if Ish Masood can stick around, I still see some potential in Masood. And we've seen it at times. He can he can shoot the ball. He's just got to get he's got he's got to get stronger. He's got to get more physical. He's only a sophomore, right? Um, if you can keep that core of Pack Noel Masood, and if you want to throw Bradford in there, you're one or two solid players away and a good coach from being in the upper half of the conference. Realistically, could they have been tenth in this conference? Yes, but could they have been top half of this conference? Yes, they were at one point. So, I mean, I don't see why they can't be in the upper half of the conference next year if they don't if they if they get the right coach. I mean, that that's what it all boils down to. Right. I think it's two years based on how they recruit, how the new coach recruits coming in. Because I think next year, I think they could make the NCAA tournament next year. I would. That's I mean, that's your expectation every year, right? Yeah. So I think that you know, like you said, Cole, there are a couple good players away from being a decent team and depending on what happens you know as we've seen the last however many years with bruce he doesn't keep players for very long two years is the shelf life and if nigel pack leaves you know he you got exactly what you've gotten out of every player the last three years two years you know decent career you know thanks to nigel but if he wants to stay you know, that's great for the rest of the team and especially that two-year window that I'm giving here. If, if Nigel stays his senior year, yeah, they should be good, especially if they can recruit some high school kids, have a bunch of sophomores in 2024 that, you know, are going to be the next. And then you can kind of sprinkle in the transfer portal a little bit. So I don't think it's going to be a long time. If, if the same scenario would have happened, you know, three years ago when the transfer portal didn't exist, man, you're looking at a four- or five-year job just – just to turn things around, but the, the transfer portal changes a lot and you can have, you know, freshmen and sophomores, they can be impactful players in NCAA basketball. If you want to give a new coach three years uh, as a, a timeline, that's way too long, especially with the transfer portal, because if you're waiting on your berries and cams and deans to develop those two crappy years you have, you've got the Texas techs or whoever it may be in the big 12, they're going out and getting tremendous athletes in the transfer portal year in and year out. Yeah, I mean, to be successful in basketball, the formula is right in front of us at both Kansas and Baylor, well, Texas Tech. you got to develop your own guys and use the portal. And it's been one or the other for the, for the most part with Bruce Weber. I mean, you know, they have a little overlap here. I will never know, but I just wonder how he would use the portal into the future. And if he, you know, I've been saying, I hope he doesn't retire. I think he wants to coach. I mean, does he look like a guy on the sideline that's done coaching? I don't think so. And, you know, maybe he'll go back to his alma mater in Milwaukee and coach some more and get 500 wins. But I'll be interested to see how he uses the portal up there at a, you know, mid-major or even less. I'm very curious because you're, you guys are all right. It changes everything. And that's why I think, and I've said, you cannot have expectations. You can't have low expectations. And I don't think K-State fans have low expectations. But they're going to hire a coach that they think can win right away. And that needs to be the expectation. You have a very talented group of guys that have shown that they can compete at the highest level. So now it's about getting the most out of them and taking the next step. Because I still am of the belief that if you were to have four or five other coaches in this conference, just take the coaches that are in this conference and put them on the sidelines for K-State, they're an NCAA tournament team. Yeah. It, it's going to be very interesting because the new coach has got to come in and demand uh, that, that people be accountable, and pick up his system, go find some guys that can help. And you're right. They could make the breakthrough next year. 
because this team was close. And uh, I get a little tired of people saying, well, look at all the close games they lost. They didn't, there's not a flip of the coin in close games. I mean, good teams know how to win those, and maybe it comes out of talent or just knowing who you are and what you have to do. It's clear to me this team doesn't know that, has no clue how to define itself in the closing minutes other than chuck up a desperation three-pointer even if you don't need a three. And if someone can come in and refine that skill alone by adding and adding a little talent, this team's going to win enough to get in the NCAA tournament. It's it's remarkable to me if you look back over the last five games that K-State could be in a position if they had gone three and two or four and one to be in the tournament. And they played so poorly now they're not in probably running to be in any postseason. I was very relieved to hear Bruce Weber say <laughs> they're not going to take one of the one one of the tournaments other than the NIT. Whew, a little panic there. Um but you know they could they could be playing their way into the NCAA tournament, but now they've got to win in Kansas City four in a row to get there, and that just isn't happening. It's not. There's too many good teams. Next question from Salt Hawk Cat. Would Brad Underwood take a pay cut to coach at his quote-unquote dream job alma mater? Well, um, I'm, I'm not going to say no, but I, you know, I, it's not going to be a dramatic pay cut. N- nobody... I don't. I don't see that happening. I think it depends on the structure of the contract. Yeah, I, I could see. I could see it on paper being, oh wow, look at his base salary. You know, he's making so much less. But if you put a whole bunch of incentives, you know, win conference games, hundred thousand dollars a piece. You know, win tournament games. You know, you could put in some incentives if, you know, if he comes back in case it's not good. You know, that's the risk he took. But I could see something like that, maybe. I think with Brad, um, if you really want to find a way of getting him, you're going to have to offer him to come home and retire here. And that's where the gamble comes in. Maybe you lower his salary, but you say, we're going to guarantee all 10 years. We're going to give you a 10-year, whatever value contract, and it's guaranteed. And here's your escalators. Here's here's your bonuses. Maybe it's a bonus-laden contract also on top of that. He's my age. Um, he might be, you know, I was young for my grade, so maybe he's 58 already. I mean, a 10-year contract gets you get you there. How the hell did I get that close to being that old? <laughs> How is he that old? Because we graduated in high school in 1982. Jeez. He, he took a covered wagon. They didn't have vehicles in McPherson back then. Did you know that? McPherson no. didn't have automobiles until the 1990s. Yeah, it's true. It's wow. Actually, it's, it's on the Internet. I think it was Reddit. Do they have the internet yet? Uh, they do. They do, yes. They got it uh, last week. Last, last week, they turned the internet on to McPherson. McPherson, I'm just kidding. I love you. I bet you they have fiber now, too. They probably have better internet than we have here at this fine studio. Am I crazy for thinking this is all about optics? Like, you have to make it seem like this is not a step down, right? right. I mean, that, that's all that it is. And if you offer a, a five-year contract with the same amount of money that he's making, I mean, you have a good chance. But you just – you have to make it seem like – you guys are right. You have to make it seem like, hey, this is home. And quite honestly, if I'm Gene Taylor, I, I, I love that idea, Fitz. This is yours. This is your program, right? They've had a chance to hire him two times, and they haven't done it. And for whatever reason, that's, it just hasn't happened. Now they have an opportunity to do that. 
upper toot, and he, as Daphne, just <laughs> blissfully pressed the man. airwaves. She did it again. Um, you're right. You just, I, I don't, if he's if he's the guy you want, you back up the Brinks trunks, Brinks trucks, and you say, "What do you want? What you know, do you want?" And, 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 it, and it takes quite a bit of money just to release him from the contract at Illinois, too. But let's be really honest here. It's easy, it's easy for us or fans or anyone to say that, but Gene's got to oversee this budget. And so as as the ever-wise Jay Heydrich, Southpaw, told me, K-State can afford to hire Brad Underwood. They can't afford for Brad Underwood to fail. And where it gets interesting is Chris Kleiman pushed back and say, look, I'm the football guy, I was, you know, and that is the bread and butter. That, that does make the big money. I, I personally don't think Chris Kleiman would feel that. I don't, I don't see Chris as that kind of guy, but Gene may feel motivated that he needs to – even out the pie a little bit. And then it starts to escalate and get expensive. But here's the reality of the situation. And I've talked to some people about this. We're still not anywhere clear of the super conference concept. The SEC still, they've kind of backed down a little bit with ESPN. They kind of shied away lately because there's been some pushback. But there's a lot of thought among higher circles that we are at a fracturing point pretty soon. And why the playoffs being delayed that is the fracturing point, that they may never get to an expanded playoff because by the time we get through this contract, we might have a subdivision of another subdivision of Division One, not just the FCS and FBS and football, but basketball might divide out. And, and the, great, the great question is, are we going to turn student-athletes into employees? And it sounds noble and it sounds good, but it, it will destroy college athletics, and here's why. Once they become employees, Title IX no longer applies. And at that point, if you're an athletic department and you've already broken away kind of from the NCAA, which is what we're talking about, I think that higher division would just say, NCAA, we're done with you. You're, you're no longer obligated to offer X number of sports. And there is a real feeling we're heading into a world that – Everything will become club except football and men's basketball. If you can't make the money to pay the student athletes and to, to do all the stuff you need to, you're not going to be out there. And, and I'm very disturbed by that. Wouldn't that just make more sense to pay your coaches even more money then? Well, it, it certainly makes this point. And I've always argued this. And the argument pushback has always been Title IX, but it doesn't really apply there. I think. Bluntly put, I think Olympic sport coaches are overpaid. They're not generating revenue. I don't understand why why people are running a business, which is what they are, are getting paid a half million to a million dollars and never coming anywhere and turning a profit. It's just me. I know that's not popular probably with some people. Or the but team's not performing to yeah. paying your coach a million dollars. Honest to God, I don't understand why any coach not in football or basketball would have a guaranteed contract. There should no reason for these athletic directors to be offering those guaranteed contracts. It's grossly irresponsible unless that sport is generating enough money to buy out those contracts. I kind of wandered off in the weeds here. Hmm. Well, good thing we're staying on this topic. Uh, next question from Gato Blanco underscore in Mexico. Um <sighs> Is it Gato? It's it's Gato. It's a cat. Did I not say that? You said, what did you say? Gato. Gato. <laughs> it's like OJ's butler. 
Kato. I got that. He's going to be mad at me now. Sorry. Sorry, Gatto. Um, outside of Brad, who do you want to be the next basketball coach that is at least a little bit realistic? I'm a Chris Jans guy. Uh, you know what? And, and I'm going to brag. I was, I pushed Brad Underwood twice now and nothing's happened. I wanted Steve Forbes and now he just signed basically, you know, a lifetime contract at Wake Forest. Apparently pushed him too hard to John Curry. <laughs> Shit, my bad. Um, but Chris Jans is, you know, and yeah, yeah, everyone wants to say go hire Huggins. There's, you're not going to find anyone. Look, Casey's not hiring a Patino. He's not coming here. He's a bright lights, big city guy. Hugs was perfect for Manhattan. He loves Morgantown. Cincinnati was big for him, but Cincinnati is a rather, um, I don't know. I don't want to insult Cincinnati. It's not a highbrow town. It's 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 a hugs kind of place. Skyline chili kind of place. Yeah, exactly. Here's some noodles with some chili on top. It's delicious. It's, it's freaking spaghetti, but with chili. What? It's what we're known for. <clears throat> no, it's not. Um, anyhow, I... Uh, uh, you got to find someone with a little bit of ding and damage, and Chris Chance is that. He had a bad incident, bad decision-making at a job, ended up in New Mexico State, which is typically known as the far farthest corner of NCAA competition, and he's winning. And, you know, I, what I like about hiring someone in their 50s is they're looking for that spot to stay. You know, they basketball coaches – are a little bit tend to a little bit more once they get to a spot they're going to stay there and when they get to an age and i and i think that's what he would represent that that's just my guy right now at the moment but i'm telling you when we release the hot board you you guys are going to be really fascinated at some of these people that we've dug up with either connections to Gene Taylor or we've we've been told have had an interest in this job and there's some people completely off everyone's radar. You may not even have heard of them, but they're very, very intriguing. Is it weird that I think Chris Mack would be <clears throat> an interesting name too? Well, I don't think he's going to coach. For I think he's decided to set it out, and, and not just his cycle. I mean, he's. I think he said he wants to take a couple of years off. I think what happened in Louisville with his assistant coaches really burned him out on the profession. I just like I, like I said last podcast. I think there's so many yeah buts. Um, and that's just kind of where this program is right now. Um, you're not going to be able to get a huge up-and-comer. I mean, I wouldn't think. I know the Murray State coach is a very popular name among K-State fans right now. You're not going to be able to go out and get somebody that's a super up-and-coming name because if they think they're that good, then they're not going to want to come to K-State. And quite frankly, if they see K-State as a stepping stone job, that's not who you want. You're right. You, you're you're right. exactly right. You want somebody that's going to stay here because it's not. K-State is a destination job. It may not have looked like that the past three years, right. but K-State is a destination job. Frank Martin didn't leave to go take a job somewhere else because – He wanted to stay for life. Right. He really did. And Bob Huggins left because he went home. Right. K-State is a destination job. That's just – that's that is just the bottom line. It really is. And, uh, you know – what what dented that more than anyone was Lon leaving after four years. Uh, I, I'm still um, just mystified, and we all know the stories, but uh, that really damaged the reputation of the program. And and then Altman came along in case they'd hired him too young. We all wanted Altman at the moment, and then it became pretty clear he was in over his head. We knew he was going to be a great coach. He turned out to be that, but he just wasn't ready for this. He needed to be in Creighton. And... And then you went into the spiral of the Asbury and Wildridge, and 
we had it fixed and it's been unfixed and it's very frustrating to me. It's very frustrating to other old timers, even, you know, particularly guys even older than me. Um, I value KNED's input because he's so familiar with the, the rich history of everything and, and where this program should be. Up until Pontiac, Michigan, the program was far more comparable to KU than people understand because KU wasn't KU. KU wasn't really KU, you know, as a modern power. They'd had their great years, and, yeah, they had an advantage in the series, but going way back. Um, but that national title changed everything for Kansas, and that loss in Pontiac to Kansas changed everything for K-State. And it's... Uh, I hope they find someone that appreciates the history, understands who Jack Gardner, Tex Winter, Cotton Fitzsimmons, all those guys are, how important they are to not just K-State basketball, but to basketball, college basketball in general. And and they, they honor it by coaching their butts off and recruiting their butts off. And they find the right guy. But, you know, when we, when we started, Wally started investigating candidates, he didn't just look for young coaches. He looked for young coaches that would have a reason to come here. And I don't see a guy from Murray State coming to the middle of Kansas. I just don't. So we typically look for Midwest guys or guys with ties to Taylor or ties somehow that made sense here to stay within the conference, the region, um, or familiar bosses. And that's pretty much how we called the list. When? Excuse me. Puberty's <laughs> hell. Puberty is hell. I blame your dogs. Okay. Uh, whatever. They're... When is KU basketball going to turn into Texas football where they are not good anymore, but the media still hypes them up as they're good? Well, when Bill Self leaves. Yeah, Bill Self. Mm-hmm. I, I know everyone hates it. I know uh, you can you can sit there and say he cheats, um, but when, when Bill Self's done, then they're going to have issues. They really are. I mean, they were starting to have issues with Roy, and, and then Coach Self came along. Now, uh, the ever-reliable reporter that covers KU from San Francisco. The Scoopmeister. Scoopmeister. Um, <laughs> said that, you know, they're coming with a two-year postseason ban for Self and Townsend. I don't think it would just be postseason. There would be more than that. That's just silly. He said it was going to happen before the Big 12 tournament, so he's got one day. Well, hold on. That or the big – they're going to the Big Ten before the Big 12 tournament. Are they going to compete in Kansas City or are they going to compete in Indianapolis? I'm really confused to where they're playing. Hmm, From know. when the Big 12 tournament starts when KU actually plays. Uh, there's a day difference. Uh, I don't see that happening. He's 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 been wrong so many times it's amazing. It's what, impressive. Uh, how – they're just going to be on the coach or the team? The coach. The coach. How many how many how many times in NCAA history has that happened? Now, they just ban the coach because this is, doesn't happen. This isn't the NCAA handing down the penalty. It's this other committee that K is the first one to go through this committee. And and I've been saying that I think the NCAA was trying to slow play Oklahoma State to figure out how the committee was going to start assessing penalties. And the committee might be looking at it exactly the way I look at Oklahoma State. Why are you punishing the kids in the program right now? Have nothing to do with what happened. And maybe that's what they're assessing. But I, I'm telling you, taking someone out of the postseason isn't enough of a penalty. They they need to be taken off. the. It's a recruiting problem. They, these, they should be taken off the road recruiting in, in addition to game bans. So I, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. But um, this is a real this is a meaningful moment for the NCAA. And I, I truly mean this. If if they turn away from really punishing KU in a meaningful way, 
I think the NCAA is done because everyone else will say, well, what's, what's the matter? It, it, what they've gained from cheating far outweighs the penalties they were just assessed. So everyone going all in and cheating, and the NCAA won't be able to monitor it. And that's where we are, we are with the NIL. Look, I want to say this, too. People keep saying, well, what that coach did is legal now. Not really. Not really. You still can't be arranging money to go to players. That's not legal. Now, whether the NCAA wants to enforce it, that's a different question. But the NIL is separate from the schools. The schools can't be involved. So, yeah, there should be penalties here. Well, good segue into the next question from Get Out More Cat. It's almost like you knew it was coming, Fitz. Um, when is this current renovation? When this current renovation plan is finished, do you expect most of the donors to shift donations to the NIL groups? I feel like by the time the renovations are done, the landscape of college sports will be different than what it is today and what the goal of those projects were. So I don't really know what's going to happen. Things change monthly. Well, It, It literally does. I mean, this group of renovations is one thing, but they still need to address Bramlage. And and that needs to be addressed even in a vast change of, you okay over there, Gills? Excuse me. It's not the dogs. They've just been groomed and they've got baths. It's not the dogs. Don't blame I my hyperallergenic dogs for your issues. Hyper or hypo? I don't know. I'm just talking. I mean, dude is pretty hyper. Yeah, he's kind of goofy allergenic. Um, so, I mean, even if the worst happens and we're down to football and basketball, you're going to need to renovate Bramlage even more. And what's funny about these renovations is they're not the renovations we thought of when when we voted to build Bramlage, and I apologize for the 900th time that we ever voted that, but we were lied to what the building was going to be. It's nothing like what we were voted on. Voted on. Um, they were looking at 15,000 seats. I said, you don't need that. And in hindsight, K-State might have been able to fill that in the heyday. When, when Ahern was rocking, I think they had 12 and eventually dropped to 12, 10 or 9. Are you going to see these now, too? No, I look like yours. My, my phone dropped. <laughs> it looked like. I mean, I could, I could sneeze. I mean, but. we got a lot going on in here. Um, it right now with arenas and stadiums, it's all about um, suites and loge boxes and things that are a little bit more than just going in and sitting in an eighteen, seventeen inch seat. And uh, I don't know what he's doing. And. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had video to show you guys how weird this dog is getting. Um, I'm sorry about talking about the dog so much. Anyhow, uh, so I, they'll lower the capacity of Bramlage again. I know they will, but they'll have courtside loge boxes or something, and it'll be really cool. But that's got to be coming. That's got to that's got to be up there. And then at what point do you start looking at other things to add even more revenue to the football stadium? So no, I don't think renovations really change. But I think Dak's right. The renovations won't be on volleyball and Olympic facilities if they're in peril. I mean, I think when that when that volleyball facility gets built, I don't think it'll ever get renovated. Like I think it'll go thirty or forty years, maybe not major that long, renovations. But like, yeah, it's not going to have. It's going to be the building it is. Right. I think for the most part. And really, I mean, Bramlage didn't get any major renovations until twenty years down. Yeah. Yeah. Until. The Shamrock Zone, yeah, essentially. I mean, ah, the Loge boxes, yeah, those are pretty. Those those were like a local construction company could build those. Cephas, 
Cephas and his buddies go, hey, how you doing? We're going to put in some, some of these loggy boxes. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, but you're right. I mean, Bramage opened in what, 88? That was what, 07? Oh That's a long time. It was the 20th season, I believe. Oh, my God, I'm so old. Why did I vote on this thing? Huh. But, yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, they'll paint it and they'll get a new court and... I just hope that they put the silver on the outside of it like they have on all the other – like anything that's not limestone that they've built recently, it's silver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hope they just panel Bramlage silver. That's my really only wish right now, make it look like a spaceship. Hmm. What if they made it an actual spaceship? You should mm. check out Soldier Field. It's available. It is available. Yep. <laughs> just move the move Soldier Field to Manhattan. Yeah. Last question of the first half comes from Eric Schneid. I know there's still a whole baseball and other spring sports season to go, but what's been your favorite K-State sports moment this year, 21-22? That's be winning the Texas Bowl. Well, Texas Bowl, but Aoka going for 61 is pretty incredible. Yeah. It's it's an NCAA record. It's not just a school record. It's a women's record. Well, so was the seven sacks that Felix Anyadike Uzama had. He had 17. He had 17 sacks in that game. The NCAA said they were. <clears throat> that's my. That's my answer. That that was pretty incredible. I mean, just seeing how dominant he was, and, and the fact that it happened at the end of the first half, it was back to back to back. It took such a unique set of circumstances. At that point, Gary Patterson was so done coaching this team that he was like, "Screw you, left tackle. Have a bad day." <laughs> I mean, his own guy just like put him out there as fresh meat. It's been it's been some moments. I'll remember that for a while. I think. I the beating Stanford. Just, that's a, yeah, yeah, that one. That was a good way to start the year. If you want to go with a loss, the Texas game. Really? Why would we go mm. with a loss? Why would you bring that up right now? Why? Why? We're, we're, I guess we're, having, I guess, we're all in I guess good saying favorite is bad, but I think Skyler getting hurt. Important moments. So what about Skyler getting yeah. hurt and climbing going out there? And like, yeah. I just remember feeling so terrible for Skyler when that happened. Didn't care about the team, didn't care about the result, but feeling so. I haven't felt that bad. For a kid in a long time. And I remember just feeling like this gut punch. Just was yeah, like, was ugh. Right. Why is this a good thing? I, I just, I'm just thinking. Now that. we've shifted into uh, impactful moments yeah. now. My favorite was the Fort Hay State. Oh, that was last year. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for the first segment of the Powercat Questions podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Fitz, Zach, Coles, and Gills. We all have Z's in our names today, and we will be right back. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. 
Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. When you're in town, make sure you're stopping by the fridge for all of your liquor needs, all your party needs. They got it all right there at the fridge. Zach, should I stock up at the fridge before I go to Kansas City? Or should I just raid my own bar that was all bought at the fridge? Hmm. Just raid your own bar. So many big decisions. Don't you still have some uh, yingling that I bought last summer? I do. Hey, I still have one of those little cases there. Yep. Yep. Not going to Kansas City, I can tell you that. That's Mm. too heavy. It's too heavy. Sad. I got got to carry in like four bags into my room. I've got my suitcase with an array of... uh, Different clothing selections because it's going to vary from 60 to, I think, below zero in Kansas City. I don't know. I got in the podcast uh, Go bags, two of those, because we expect to have to make a podcast. And then my regular bag. It's going to be, it's it's overwhelming, Zach. It's hard to be me, man. It's a lot. It's hard to be me. But I manage it by going to the fridge. Here's your questions from Wabash Station. Gills is going to take over now because I think we're turning our attention to football after an epically long basketball segment. First question of the second half comes from Contra Cat. What positions need to show out this spring or consider additional inbound transfers? Ah. Safety. I don't... <laughs> safety. Safety, safety, safety. Well, you're... I don't okay. know if you're talking about football or you're just concerned for us. <laughs> Did you pull a Daphne? I'm not. The, I'm not doing the second part of this question. They don't need to bring in more transfers because they already have one. Mm-hmm. But the quarterbacks need to show out this spring right. of who's number two. Because Will Howard has apparently added a whole bunch of weight, for better or worse. I don't know. Two hundred forty-five pounds. That is a large quarterback. I I hope he's just like ripped. Maybe it's all muscle. Yeah, I, mean, I hope he he walks in. And he's got you know these huge guns. I am Will Howard. My God, you got a different voice, too. I lift a lot. 245 as a quarterback, man. That's Blake Bell. That's Blake Bell territory right there. Well, it answers the question what to do on third and one. It answers the question of what they plan on using him for last year. Well, that's what we thought he was going to be. <laughs> well, I think that was the plan. Just the guy who came up with the plan never executed the plan. And now he's got a plan somewhere else because he's not here anymore. That makes sense. Yes. Okay. So not safety then? Just I think that just the back end of the defense, you know, that safety certainly, but I think they need some depth at corner. Um, I think probably I, I'm I'm just baffled by Jack Steen at running back. I I, th- I think that that is just a spring thing because they're so shallow on numbers, and with the fact they don't want to overuse Deuce. I think that's just a spring thing. Now, that might be worth following up with climbing on, but we have to get him in to media. Yeah, I'm we got to see what he looks like. I know. I mean, he he was in better shape last year than his freshman year. But I, I I think it's a permanent change because even if they add and I still think they will add a transfer running back, you still have the other two guys are vast unknowns. And they've shown that they want to have three guys. And maybe Giddens is going to pan out. But if you've got Jacks, you know with the transfer, you're probably going to have the three guys you want. I don't know if Colin Klein's going to run the inverted 
diamond or whatever that was. I don't know if they're going to do that. Can you invert a diamond? I mean, isn't that the same shape upside and this? I think a diamond is a diamond. Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'll snip that out and put it on a promo. <laughs> um, you kind of need the the guys that can all do those things. And I think Jax is intelligent enough to take on knowing exactly all the plays as a running back or a fullback. I don't think that's a big deal. Well, okay. Now, maybe this, and, and tell me if I'm crazy because I could be. I've been called crazy before. Mm-hmm. Um, new tight end coach. Is he just tight end coach or is he fullbacks and tight, tight ends? Tight fullbacks, yeah. Okay. What happens if fullbacks and running backs, there's more integrated practices? Because the reason I say that is now that you have a fullback, if you plan on using him as a fullback and a running back, there's got to be a backup to him, right? If you, if, if he, unless he is just a full-time running back, somebody is going to have to be that part fullback, part running back. And so I, I think this could signal that there could be some crossover between fullbacks and running backs as far as, hey – We'll spend half the time with the tight ends and half the times with the running backs, as opposed to it felt like most of the times those fullbacks were with the tight ends completely. I think with the new offensive coordinator, that could be a possibility. And I think we might see some more fullbacks get the ball in a running back type situation because of, well, there's a new offensive coordinator. There's a new tight ends coach. And so I could see them trying to do something differently because those positions were vastly underutilized under Messingham. Well, let's not forget Ben Sennett played fullback and tight end and, and got the ball thrown to him in the bowl game. So I think we'll see, you know, a, a use of all these guys that we haven't seen. Next question comes from Daria. Who are some who are some potential players who might be coming out of spring practices much developed from last season? Well, keep your eye on the offensive line. I mean, I think I don't think it's all set in stone that they lost their three interior guys, so they're just going to find three new interior guys. It came it became very clear to me that they want to move BB inside, and I've known that they've always said that. But hearing Kleiman on Tuesday, they really want to find a true tackle, and you know, is are these Carver Willis and Mitchum? Are anyone is anyone ready to step up? And I think they really want that. Um, because I think his future's on the inside. I mean, his NFL future's on the inside, so they kind of owe it to him to get him on the inside a little bit. I, you know, someone, one of these young receivers, I'd really feel a lot more comfortable about receiver if they stepped up. I think it's Sebastian Taylor. Could be. Comes back from injury. Not a young receiver, but yeah. Is, yeah, not a young one, but Chris Kleiman said, hey, he's healthy now. You know, he needs to have a good spring because, you know, he's shown some, flashes every once in a while but the last two years he's just been non-existent basically from injury so hopefully he's back healthy but i think that he's he's somebody that could be a lot better than he was last year can i stick with the safeties and say tj smith yeah he needs another one yeah because i mean he has to have a good year and there's no reason he can't be when i watch tj smith i see just a young version of Jerron mcpherson that's all that I see. Um, a guy who comes down, who hits hard, who can play that hybrid jack position. I don't see any reason why TJ Smith can't have a breakout year. And to go along those same lines, I think Marvin Martin, right right back. I'm going to continue to harp on the safety position because if there's one thing that's going to hold K-State back this year, it's that position. And so I think those two guys are guys who we could come out and see a lot of development from, specifically TJ Smith another year fully healthy, a third year in the system, 
and he's got an opportunity this this year to to be the starter with nobody who can take his spot and i think that's huge yep i agree next question comes from arastle in 1982 other than being more aggressive do you know anything more about what the offense might look like no, we don't actually, and I can't wait to talk to Colin. I mean, they they don't want to; they're not going to come out and tell us that why that doesn't serve any purpose for them to be honest about what the offense is going to look like. I think we got glimpses of it at the bowl game. How he wants to spread the ball around, and quite honestly, I I can see Colin trying to get more to a a chief style offense, um, but you got to have a Tyree Kill really to run that. But no, I just think he wants to go faster tempo. And and I like what Philip Brooks had said. He it's really not about the tempo as much as he wants to be on the attack. Instead of responding to the defense, he wants the defense to respond to you. And, and being tempo helps with that because yeah. then they can't, you know, make a shift that screws up your play call. They, you know, you go to the line of scrimmage and read what they're doing and and hike the ball and get going. So no, I, I don't think we will know, but I don't think it'll be radically different. But I'm telling you. You could use the same damn playbook and it'd look like a different offense. Mm. But I think Colin will strip down the playbook and make it more simple. I think they were too focused on the on all the nuances of the playbook and then they never used them. And that's my ongoing frustration was why are you practicing this over and over and then not using it? Deuce would come in and hint about this and that being in the offense and we'd never see it. I don't understand why coaches do that. Practice what you're going to put on the field in a game. And I I would prefer if they were more simple early on and they kept layering it in. Colin's got an advantage here of the fact that nobody knows for sure how he's going to approach things. And so every game they can add a few more wrinkles in that people aren't expecting and then continue to build it. I don't know if it'll be more up-tempo, but I think from the sounds of it, especially talking to Philip Brooks today, it sounds like they want to get more plays in. So I think that, you know, getting, you know, plays in from the sideline, not kind of sitting up there and wasting your time, you know, letting the play clock get down. I think that you'll see a lot quicker pre-snap, I guess, so to speak. I don't think that, again, I don't think this offense, I don't think Colin Klein's going to run anything remotely close to, you know, snapping the ball at 28, 29 seconds on the play clock. But I think that you're going to see a lot more efficiency you know, getting set, getting ready to go. More tempo. I mean, that's more, all that Yeah, is. more tempo, but nothing nothing completely turbo like, you know, your Baylors or Oklahoma State. Well, K-State had no tempo. I mean, let's just call it how yeah. it is. They went no huddle when they were in a two-minute warning. They could be down by two scores with five minutes, and they were not going tempo. They just didn't do it. And it's maddening as someone who, who watches football and, and covers the game because you see these other teams, right? I mean— K-State's beating a team by two scores. They'll go tempo with five minutes. Courtney Messingham refused to do that. I'm going to correct you on something. We asked him. I can't remember where it was after what game. He said, yeah, we were in tempo. Remember that on a yeah. on a Thursday press conference? Mm-hmm. And we looked at each other like, that was tempo? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, compared to everyone else, you're still going really slow. So I think that's something Colin will address. He's not going to be slow. He's not going to be fast. He's going to do whatever they need to do within the moment. Ryan Gilbert's allergic to the truth. I am speaking. <laughs> Um, you know, but I, I think little nuanced things like you've got a a controversial catch. I think Colin's smart enough. 
Let's get to the line. Let's be yelling turbo or whatever your keyword is, and let's snap the ball before they get the replay in. Little things like that, little nuanced things like that by an offensive coordinator can really help a team overall. Steal a play, steal, steal this or there. I'm all for it. I think Colin's such a bright guy. I'm really excited to see what he does. And I think having a first-year coordinator and a first-year quarterback in the system actually works to their advantage. And this is my explanation for that. You're learning together. Is there going to be growing pains? Sure. But if you were to have a seasoned offensive coordinator like Courtney Messingham, if you have Adrian Martinez in Courtney Messingham's offense, I just wonder about is, is he going to adjust the scheme to best fit his players? Well, if it's not working, Colin Klein is saying, okay, is it not working because of the scheme or is it not working because of the players? I don't know, but I have to fix it. Right. I'm not saying Messingham wouldn't have that approach, but I, I feel like there was some – Oh, well, it's worked in the past, so it's going to work again. And I don't get that vibe with Colin. No. And so I think that works to K-State's advantage. Not to bash Messingham, but I think we're going to see fans become a lot more happy with the play calling on offense. And, you know, if it's third and one, that ball's at least going to travel past the line of scrimmage if you're throwing it. You're not going to leave Deuce Vaughn alone in the backfield with no uh, option outer. Second, what's that called when you have the backup? Second read. Sure, second read. None of that. Fans are going to be more happy with Colin Klein, I, I feel. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Totally. Next question comes from Claws Out, Balls Out. What percentage would you put on this being Deuce Vaughn's last year? He might not have much more to prove, and the running back shelf life is short. Are you under the impression that Deuce Vaughn is going to be a high draft pick? Folks, he's not even as big as Darren Sproles. <laughs> right? He's not. Right. He's not as thick as Darren Sproles. I love Deuce as much as anyone, but he's going to have a real hard time finding the right place in the NFL. In fairness to that assessment, the type of body that an NFL player has today is more similar to Deuce Vaughn than it is to Darren Sproles. That's well, you're right that running backs have they've they've gotten them smaller. You can see it in Kansas City. There's no Christian Okoyas running around with shoulder pads the size of a <laughs> Buick. Um even Buicks aren't as big as they used to be. This is very confusing. Um, but I still think he's he's so small. I don't see any indication that people will tell him, Deuce, you're going to go in the second round. I mean, I think Deuce is going to be fifth, sixth round pick. And keep this in mind. The game of football has changed so much. Running backs are not a valued commodity anymore. There's a special running back once in a while that comes along. But for the most part, look at the Chiefs again. You can plug and play different guys that you've never heard of in your life because the running back position is now complementary to the quarterback, receivers, and tight end. It's the least important of the skill positions. And that is a weird thing to say about football. And I'll, I'll add this, and I'm going to bring Ryan Gilbert's Pittsburgh Steelers in on this comparison. Oh, I think you just stole my talking point. Really? Talk okay. about Najee. I was going to, because I was going to talk about Le'Veon Bell to James Conner, to now they get to Najee Harris. Mm -hmm. And all three of those guys were different running backs, but they fit the system. Mm -hmm. And so it's because neither one of them are super, super special. Now, Najee Harris, I think, and you would agree with me on this, Ryan, he, he is different. You talk about being a different kind of running back. You look at a Christian McCaffrey. You look at a guy like Saquon Barkley, like before the injury. These guys that are first round draft picks, 
They're first-round draft picks. They're going to be good running backs. But how long will they last? That's the question. A lot of the times you have guys like Deuce Vaughn, a guy like who, who can go in the later part of the draft and can do be the third-down running back, come in, be that kind of guy like Jerick McKinnon on the Chiefs. He's going to have a place on an NFL roster for as long as he can be productive because he's not on the field too much. He doesn't have that risk for injury like some do, and he's going to provide something. Those guys see the field and have a longer shelf life than the quote-unquote star running back, like Todd Gurley, for example. Great running back for two, three years, signs a massive deal, never to be heard from again. There's more cases of those kind of running backs flaming out than there is of guys that are the third down running backs who can stay in the league longer. And I think that's where Deuce is. So with that being said, why leave school early if that's all you're most likely ever going to be? It doesn't make sense. And I feel like his dad being a former scout, if anybody should know that, it's him. That's a good point. All good points. Yeah, I don't think Deuce is ever going to get bad advice on when he should go to the league. If you're Brees Hall, you leave early because you're going to be the primary back. You're going to be beaten up and, you know, playing over how many games they play now? 217? Yeah. 217? But, yeah, it's rare to be drafted in the first round as a running back anymore. Chiefs did it recently, and you could argue about should they have done that. Uh, I think he's added stuff to the team, but was there really that much value in the first round? And that's true of almost any running back now in the league. Yeah, you look at this year and last year for the Chiefs. I mean – Edwards Lair was never really the, yeah. the guy who came playoff time, right? I mean, he's they're injured. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's yeah. kind of the point. Yeah. But when we're talking about Deuce Vaughn, we haven't even mentioned the transfer portal. I would say he's way more likely to somehow transfer if for some reason the locker room blows up and, and Deuce wants out of Manhattan. That's way more likely than, than him getting drafted and leaving school early to and, go get drafted. And I'll say this. I don't think that's likely at all. Yeah, yeah. It's more likely, but not. I don't think yeah. it's that likely. <laughs> I'll agree. Yep. Last question comes from El Camino Cat. Looking at K-State's current projected too deep for football, how many players do you think have NFL potential? How does this compare to previous seasons under Chris Kleiman? Um, It's a great question. That one I needed preparation for. I think they're producing offensive linemen that are NFL caliber, and I think we're beginning to see the edge rushers. And we talked about the importance of running back going down. Nothing has increased more in a valuable commodity than edge guys and tight ends. That's now where the the two sides of the ball have evolved. And at least with the edge rushers, I think K-State's got some guys that could play. I think Deuce Green as a as a linebacker could be NFL ready. He said today he's up to 240. He's so he's smaller yeah. than a quarterback. It's true. <laughs> but that's a lot of weight for him. Yeah. But he said it's and it's muscle. He said it's muscle and he's more explosive and quicker. Now everyone says that. Nobody nobody goes in and says, I put on twenty pounds of muscle and I'm a lot slower now. You know, nobody says that. Except but, for Barry Bonds. Well, <laughs> he had he had some help. Really? Yeah, so so I hear. Hmm. I So Deuce Green. Yeah, I think so. Felix? Mm-hmm. Khalid Duke? Yes. Possibly if he can get fully healthy. Um or I, uh, if you listen to Fitz's Walk and Talk, he also talks about Sammy Wheeler. Are you still? I'm a big Sammy Wheeler fan. I think he he's got to learn well. how, he learn how to be more physical at the point of attack. But look at Travis Kelsey. I mean, he's not a great physical blocker. He's a good technician. He doesn't mow people over, but he gets in their way. And if Sammy can just learn that, and then get downfield and run and catch, I think Sammy could be really, really special. I think he has been because of injuries. 
vastly underused, and honestly, because of play calling. And I, I think that'll be solved with Colin Klein. He's going to spread that ball around quite a bit and not focus. We saw it in the bowl game. Deuce Vaughn was the leading receiver through the season, and then I think he had two catches in the bowl game. He, he no longer was the primary focus of the passing game. If I'm Sammy Wheeler, I'm staying for two years because he has this year. He's a fifth-year senior. He redshirted his first year, um, and then he has the super senior year. I think K-State would love for him to stay, and I think he should stay. And Daphne agrees with me because she just let out one of the nastiest parts oh my God. in the history of the world. And I am just now smelling it, and it smells like onions. <laughs> I think that was a disagreement fart. She doesn't want Sammy Willer to stay, right? Oh. <laughs> oh. That was a church house creeper. <laughs> and she's just looking at us like, why are you having those faces? Oh. That's it for the podcast, I think. Or is that it? Is it? I don't know. How old is Sammy Wheeler? He's 73 years old. Seems like it. He's the Perry Ellis of K-State football. <laughs> I don't know any other oh. players that I could think of that would be. Did we name Felix? Or was I not paying attention? I said yes. Felix. Okay. And Deuce. Because Deuce. We didn't really name Deuce in this question. But well, Deuce Green. Both Deuces. Yes. What about um, what about? Daphne's about to drop a Deuce. No doubt. <laughs> Echo Boy, though. Uh, it's got to get bigger. You know, I I agree with that, but I've also seen guys like, you know, come out of K-State that aren't that big, that have made it in the NFL. That goes a good cover guy. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. That's a good point. I still feel like it's only four or five. Like, they have one per class, I think, is about what the number is right now. And and it's still quite low. It'd probably be, if Felix decides to leave after this year, it will be him. Yeah, it... I think that's one of the things Chris Kleiman is going to improve. We're going to start seeing the escalation of NFL-ready talent. But so many of those guys are in the developmental program like offensive linemen, and they'll start cashing those checks, so to speak, you know, junior, senior year. I'm I'm excited to see what happens along that line. I'm also excited to open up the door of this this, uh, studio. That's it for the Powercat Questions podcast. I'm sorry if we stunk it up, so to speak. Uh We'll see you in Kansas City. I plan on staying up there for a while. Uh, I don't know if K-State's going to win and stay with me, but um, well, I don't have room in my hotel room for the whole team. I, that's just weird. I, they shouldn't stay with me. We'll see how K-State does today, because this goes up today, up in Kansas City. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more of the Powercat Questions podcast. Thank you for listening to the Powercat podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend 
or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.